God speaks. That next time you're disagreeing with me about something. I just want to share something that happened this week that I thought might um, encourage other people. Um, let's see, what day did I write this on? Wednesday morning. It must have been because I wrote it here. I woke up and the, I heard, I believe it was the Holy Spirit, say to me very clearly, specifically, pray through the eyes of love, mercy, and compassion. And I'll be honest, it didn't really mean anything to me at the moment. So I got up. John and I were having coffee together before I go to school or whatever, wherever I was going. Yeah, school that day. And um, he said, well, um, what do you think it means? And I said, I don't know. Maybe I just need to spend more time meditating on love, mercy, and compassion whenever I'm praying. And he said, well, what about on Sunday whenever we all ask the Lord to show us something that we might need to a relationship that might need um, you know extra attention care a place that we're having a, an issue and I said you know honestly I, I really couldn't think of anything because I'm in a really good place in all the relationships in my life right now so it was like okay well it's just it's certainly a good thing uh, to pray more through the eyes of love mercy and compassion so I just kind of went to school I'm in the middle of finals I come home it's the evening time I'm sitting there studying and there is a knock on the door. Bam, 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 bam. So I jump up and I go to the door. And let's just say it became apparent very quickly where I need to exercise some love, mercy, and compassion. Because um, those three things were not even in the top 20 of uh, how I would like to approach this particular situation that uh, we've got going on in our life. I'm not going to go into it. Let's just say that... Um, It's a situation that would be very easy to be reactive about. And um, one thing that I've learned about being an overcomer in the Bible is two things. Prayer changes things, and that's why we need to pray through the eyes of love, mercy, and compassion. But also prayer changes us. And so in that moment where I'm headed back to study and I am mad, oh, I am mad, I'm mad. And I'm like, okay. This is where the rubber meets the road. This is what that word is about. God wants to change in me how I respond to situations. Not reactive, not angry, not, look, those prayers that we pray, God get them, that doesn't count for praying for your enemies or praying for people that are attacking you or whatever. He really wants us to start seeing those situations in our lives through the eyes of love, mercy, and compassion. Because when we do that, that is when we really truly become overcomers, right? And so I just want to challenge you, for all of you that are facing situations like that that are really hard. It's really hard to be positive about. It's really hard to pray about. I I want to challenge us all to take a step further and just truly see it. Pray through the eyes of love, mercy, and compassion. Okay, so I want to to, um, springboard off of that. Today's Family Sunday, the first Sunday of every month. We have uh, the kids from zero to through high school, college join us, and so we can worship together as a family. And so Hope and I like to pray over the families uh, every family Sunday. But what I like to do is apply this prophetic word. Prophetic means, for those who are not aware, it means that the Holy Spirit speaks spontaneously, never con- not, never contrary to the written word, the canon of Scripture. But he, you know, what father doesn't speak to his children? So the Holy Spirit is still speaking to us in our daily lives. And uh, we need to pay attention to it, right? And then obey. So I would like us to... Uh, all stand, if you would. And I want us to pray for the family member that irritates you the most. I really do. This yeah. was not about our family, by the way. Just so you know, as your mind's going. No, it's not. I'm just applying it to Family Sunday. So... But sincerely, Jesus said, pray for your enemies. You may feel like they're your enemy and in law, somebody who you feel is treating you unfairly or, you know, those who uh, just treat you wrongly. This is where loving others as Christ loved us actually makes it real. Easy to be friendly to your friends. What about those who are not being so friendly? So you got the person in your mind. I'm sure they came up immediately. What is Jesus telling you to do with that person in that situation? 
So let's pray for them right now. It's a family member. It's an in-law. It's somebody connected to your family tree. Pray to the eyes of love, mercy, compassion, and watch what God will do. the Lord is very pleased right now with us doing this, doing this. Pray now, Father, the love of God, beyond our human love, Lord, the love of God, the agape, unconditional love of God. Lord, you have mercy on everybody on the planet because we're all weak and broken and imperfect. May we, your people, have the love of God flowing through our hearts right now toward these, these despicable individuals from our perspective. And yet you've had mercy on us, Lord, so we now pray with mercy love and compassion on this family and we ask for supernatural resolution and reconciliation in these family relationships it might be a marriage here in this house right here it might be a parent child relationship represented in this house right here child to parent parent to child it might be an in-law mother-in-law father-in-law daughter-in-law son-in-law lord let us be your people that love unconditionally so the world can know that you're the son of god Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, honey. Great word. Amen. All right. Uh, oh, we're going to do a baby dedication. Speaking of family, son, Jesus died, broke the curse, rose from the dead to release heaven on earth. But the way that is released is through prayer. So I don't know if your prayer life is at zero or a thousand, but if it's at zero, don't feel shame. If it's at a thousand, don't feel prideful because uh, it's God's spirit in you that's motivating you. So it's all by grace. But I want to ask everybody just... For the month of May, I'm going to ask that you would commit to pray 10 minutes a day. For those that are already praying an hour, just keep doing that. Those who have zero prayer in your life right now, 10 minutes a day, the Lord's Prayer. Um, I sent out an email this week. If you, did not, if you don't get my congregational emails, you can go to info, I-N-F-O, info at gatheringplacechurch.org and say, I want to be on uh, Pastor John's uh, congregational emails. You can do that right now as I'm talking. You could also sign up for my blog. That way you get all the communications I send out about what's going on in the church and special things. So one of the, uh, what I sent out this week was asking you to pray the Lord's Prayer, uh, which I, sent a, I gave you a link that has the Lord's Prayer plus some notes from me uh, and some scriptures. I love the Lord's Prayer because it gives you a place to start. You're like, well, where do I start? Father, Daddy, I'm your child. You love me called me into your family. What a great place to start in prayer. You know, a lot of people, forgive me, I don't like saying it that way. Some people, when they teach on prayer, they talk about confessing sin. The first thing you do is repentance. That's not what Jesus taught us. Jesus said the first thing you want to say is, hey, dad, how's it going? Isn't that beautiful? We come with such a sin consciousness, but Jesus said, no, come with a child of God consciousness. To confess our sins is about four down on the, on the list. Is, it, is sin important? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's why it's in there. In fact, it's the only part of the prayer that Jesus circles back around and talks about again, that if you don't forgive, then you're not going to be forgiven. Forgive us of our trespasses, and, right? But you don't start with a sin consciousness. You start with a God loves me no matter what conscious. Amen. So I'm going to ask you, starting today, if you'll pray for 10 minutes every day, the Lord's Prayer. Pray for me. Pray for my family. Pray for, I'm going to be, I pray for you all the time. And I guarantee you we're going to see more healing, salvation, deliverances in our church over the next 30 days as we all commit to doing our part. Amen? Amen. Okay, now, kids, you can get out of here. We release you in Jesus' mighty name. Kids, teens, youth. Well, if you're visiting here today, my name is John. I'm the lead pastor here of this awesome church. Um, I just got a text from uh, Phil Williams here reminding me to pray for uh, the Mims family, Shane Mim. I wanted to preach service prayer today, and uh, our, there was a prayer team, 
And then they said they were, I, I caught them as they were leaving because they said we have to go to the emergency room because Shane Mims, uh, that he, what, what is, the, I think he can't, he doesn't have feeling in his legs or something and they don't know what it is. And so we sent a prayer team this morning to the hospital and they asked if we would pray right now as a congregation. So let's bring heaven on earth for, for Shane. Okay. What's that? Unknown pain in his leg. And you're a nurse, so you know the technical language, like unknown. What? Very bizarre. They don't know why. Okay. Pain in his legs. Those who very can't walk. Lord, we lift up. We thank you for the nurses in the house that can help the pastor pray accurately. Lord, we lift up Shane before your throne. Nothing is impossible with you. And when your people pray... Your supernatural healing power flows into the earth. And so we pray for our brother, Shane. We pray right now, God, that the pain, we command you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth to leave his legs. We pray the power of your Holy Spirit would flow into him right now, God. And there would be a supernatural deliverance. The doctors would be astounded and even confused. What happened to the pain? Where did it go? We pray, Lord. That whatever the source of this was, whether it was demonic or whether it was uh, natural causes, we pray it be discovered, revealed, and remedied. So shame will be free from this forever as you bring heaven on earth through our intercession. In Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. Amen. So, um... We're going to dive into the word here in just a second, but uh, I wanted to begin with um, sometimes when we try to communicate in church uh, through the bulletin, it just doesn't work well. Here's a few that just didn't work well. These are not at our church. It was at somebody else's church. The fasting and prayer conference includes meals. The sermon this morning, Jesus walks on the water. The sermon tonight, searching for Jesus. Right, here, I'll give you one more and then we'll get into the message. Ladies, don't forget the rummage sale. It's a chance to get rid of those things not worth keeping around the house. Bring your husbands. And that, and that leads us into today's message uh, about relationships that last. So I mentioned last week, uh, and I'm going to share this again. I've never had a, God give me a dream about what to teach my children. Only one time has he done it, and he's never done it since. So what he told me to teach my kids must be important. I saw a dream, and in my dream, like an actual physical dream, uh, I was at the dinner table, and I was teaching them to be others centered so for god to only give me that kind of direction one time it must be a very important message to be other centered and it's important for all of us now you know there's a scripture that says raise a child in the way you should go and when he's older he won't depart from it and i know some have debated what that actually means that it means find out what your children's giftings are how god's hardwired them and then create a pathway for them to succeed in that pathway. I totally agree with that. But I also believe the other interpretation, and that is you need to tell them what they should do to be a good human being on the planet, right? Like to be others centered. I mean, you can set them on the right path according to their skill set, but if they're a jerk and self centered, then they're going to fail in life. So we as parents need to be parents, and we need to teach our children what is right and what is wrong and how to be a good citizen. In fact, God said the reason He chose Abraham to be his man in the earth to bring the son of God through his lineage was because he knew that Abraham would teach his children how to fear the Lord. So teaching our children to be other centered is critical. Being other centered. Now, now, now we know that uh, being God centered is obviously first, but here's what I believe being others centered is the proof that you are God-centered. John says, if you say you love God and hate your brother, the truth is not in you. 
So that's a real challenge for us, isn't it? Makes us check ourselves before we wreck ourselves, right? So let's look at the greatest example in human history of being others-centered. Let's go to uh, the book of Philippians, chapter 2, and beginning in verse 1. We're going to read verse 1 through 11 together. So, Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. We're in the uh, New Living... Yeah, here we go. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from His love? Any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Remember last week we learned that selfishness is the root of all of our divisions. Don't try to impress others. Well, if we just took those two right there and worked those out... We'd be happy people, wouldn't we? Be a happy planet. Don't be selfish and don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourself. Those are big orders. Don't look out for only your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. So here comes our example, our captain, our God. Though he was God... He did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We see from this passage that being other-centered is who Jesus Christ is. He's completely other-centered. And thus, it is the heart of our Christian faith. I mean, Jesus was in heaven receiving all the honor, all the glory, all the angels bowing down to Him. And He comes down into the sinful, fallen world to be mocked spit on, misunderstood, defamed, cursed. They even said that he was demon-possessed. And he came down here in the midst of the sinful, broken, fallen humanity for you and I. What a friend. Talk about being others-centered. That was a little inconvenient, wasn't it? This is the theological bedrock of who we are as followers of Christ. We are to be the most other-centered people on the planet because we're following our master. When Jesus' first disciples wanted to be first, he taught them how to be first. Be last. Wash each other's feet. He took the lowest form of a household servant and washed their feet. You can't be truly connected with others if you're thinking about yourself. Here's a great definition of humility. Humility means knowing and using your strength for the benefit of others on behalf of a higher purpose. That's the definition of leadership, is to serve. That's the definition of parenting, pastoring. It's to use your strength, your position, your resources... For the benefit of others, for a higher purpose. We all know if you've had a boss or a manager or a coach or a teacher that was self-centered, was all about them. Isn't that obnoxious and annoying? Doesn't it demotivate you as a team member, as an employee? Doesn't it demotivate you? Uh, one of my children um, asked me one time to uh, come to one of their, I want to be careful with uh, how much I reveal here, but one of their uh, school um, things. And my child had always told me how much his teacher irritated them and annoyed them and just demotivated them. And I went there and as I listened to the teacher talk at this um, school program that went on, it was all about him. Everything he said, he related it back to himself over and over and over again. He even said to us, parents that were sitting out there, I see my life like a movie and I'm the star and you're all in my movie. He said that publicly. And I, when I got home and I said, well, I found out why he is so annoying. It was not about the kids. It's not about the content. It's not about the kids being successful. It's all about him. 
And, I, and as a pastor, I thought somebody didn't love him as a kid. And somebody didn't teach him that joy is about being others-centered. That's how you motivate people. When they know you are about them, it motivates them. Isn't that true? Won't you hang the moon for your boss if you know they are all about you and you succeeding and giving you the resource and the platform and giving you the credit when it goes right, taking the credit when it goes wrong? I like what Marsha Brown said to me last week. She said, marriage is not successful when it's 50-50, but 100-100. I asked a new couple in the, uh, that's visiting us, visited us last week, uh, what they thought the success of marriage was. And uh, they said, commitment to covenant. A contract is 50-50. You do this and I'll do that. Covenant says, I'm all in. I'm all in. I'm not going anywhere. That's the way relationships last. I heard on the radio this week, I'm going to give you some practical things here uh, in just a few moments, but there's some examples of great love. Just this last week, I heard of a 91-year-old couple. They were both in the 90s. The wife was 91 years old. They were in the hospital together. And they were holding hands when she died. And the son and daughter were in there. And the son reports that my dad said, after his wife breathed her last, I don't have to protect her anymore. And he quit breathing. And he died. And his son said, I think my dad wanted to go open the door for her. Because <laughs> that's, that's who he was. Isn't that beautiful? There are many practical ways to live other-centered. Uh, so here's some simple uh, um, examples. Extroverts letting introverts have some airtime. I have an introvert on the front row going like this. While the extrovert is laughing nervously. Offering to help somebody watch their kids so they can have a date night. Serving at our food and prayer outreach that we do on uh, the first Thursday of every month. Sacrificing today to help a friend. Here's, the, I, here's what I love about this church, and I really mean this. The love in this church is so real, and the way you guys help each other is so practical. And it's, somebody gets pregnant, somebody is in the hospital, like today, a prayer team. Somebody's in the hospital, we're not. I mean, they didn't ask my permission if they could leave. I walk into the prayer room to get prayed for, and they said, we're out by, we're going to go pray for someone in the hospital. And then, boom, they're gone. I just love how active the love is in this church. The Millers, they, uh, they needed to move. They're new to the church. Yeah, look what's happened. Here's, a, here's proof. Here's a, here's a video of some people. that well, I'm going to show you this video. There's actually a couple people that are actually working. I mean, is this love or what? Okay, now, see what, what Dave's, Dave's doing? doing. Dave's watching. That's not it. Yeah, and see what this other Dave is doing? That's Dave's not watching. it. It's, it's, it's what Ben's doing. For See, this is the guy being helped, Jesse, and here's Ben. Now, the reason Ben didn't want his picture taken, watch. I caught another picture of him. He used to be part of the Russian mafia. Watch this. Here, it's going to come up. You see this? Look at that. And then here's the whole group together. I, I just love this. See, this was Sunday afternoon. Sunday morning we go. Yeah, there's David hiding again. I mean, so Sunday morning, last Sunday, we launched a series on uh, loving one another, right? Uh, relationships that last. Sunday afternoon, spending the whole day helping a new family move in the church. That's just real. And then I see an email come through uh, midweek. And Bruce Clegg here, who's playing the bass today... He takes my sermon, thank God somebody remembered it, and he emails it out to all the guys in the church saying, do you want to be a real Christian? Basically is what he said. And he said, here, John's sermon was joy, Jesus first, other second, yourself third, J-O-Y, joy. That's how you have joy. So basically, he said in his own flowery way, come prove that you're a real Christian and help uh, Stephanie and, and um, Jerry Demink remodel their home. So we got... Some photos of the people who actually showed up. So that was last time they were there. Next photo, we've got uh, Josh. He texted that to me yesterday. Um, he speaks uh, redneck. And the next one, okay, we got. And I love how Bruce brings his son. His how, how old is he in? 
14 and he said, Ian hates it when I say we're going to go help somebody. Because he's 14. He'd rather, be, he'd rather be playing video games. But then he says on the way home, he says, man, I loved how we helped someone today. I love the discipleship, Bruce. That's beautiful. Next photo. And, and, uh, and then we have again. And then David decided he was actually going to pretend to see the drill in his hand. So I just love the love in this church. David is our sound man back there, by the way. So I'm allowed to beat up on him just because. David, David, uh, serves, serves, serves. Um, and we learned last week that the way that Christians can be other centered to the level that Jesus was, which proves that we're his disciples and that he's our God and that he is God is the love, the unconditional supernatural love of God that flows through our hearts, which I preached last week. So you can listen to that sermon, but in the vein of applying being practical, others centered, practically other centered. I want to explore a tool that some of you may know, some of you may never have heard of this before, but it's, it's a real practical application today of what we've been talking about in theory, how to love one another in five very practical ways. And don't put, don't put the answer up on the board yet, because I'm going to do something really quick. Today, I want to, 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 to get practical application of this. I want to talk about the five love languages. How many of you ever heard of the five love languages? Raise your hand. Okay, so about half of you. So here's what I want to do. I've, I've named this, uh, this series, uh, this message today, What Language Are You Speaking? Now, this practical application may seem a little trite compared to Jesus dying on the cross, but you notice, you notice how in that passage we read, it was given real practical things. Be interested in other people's things, not your own. Just like Jesus was when he came down from heaven and was tortured and then died and rose from the dead. Isn't that interesting? The depth of that theological backdrop in that passage we read. But then the application to the followers of Jesus at the time in Paul's day was be nice to each other. Agree with one another. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress each other. Be interested in other people's things, not just your own. Isn't that interesting how tangible and practical on a daily basis the theology of following Christ is? And so, so here's how I want to start this practical application out. The first one who can text me, the five languages, five love languages, gets this $30 gift card to Luna Grill. Ready? Get the number up there. It's the next slide. There you go. All right, here we go. Better hustle. The first one that dings gets it if it's right. The, f- the five love languages. Oh, man, this is, we're, we're, we're dead in the water here. I'm glad I'm preaching on this today. The five love languages. $30 gift card to Luna Grill. Nobody. No, no, we got to wait. We got to wait. People are working diligently here. Okay, who we got? We got, we got, who was first? Brian. Brian, where's Brian? Right here. Well, no, 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 no. I haven't read him yet. Last time we did that, last time we did this, we got some horrible answers. All right, gifts, acts of service. Time spent affirming words and physical touch. Wow, Brian! Here we go. Get it before Mark grabs it, because he will. Okay, now look, if you do the so that one gift card right there, that could be time spent. It could be uh, gifts, words of affection. If you do it all right, you might also get physical touch. We don't know. But you're not married yet, so you won't. Give me the card back. I don't trust you two. You just got engaged. People think because they have an engagement ring. All right. So Jesus exercised all five of these love languages. If you want to, again, get back to being theologically accurate. Words of affirmation to Simon and Peter. You are weak, which is what Simon means, a reed that bends in the wind. But you're going to be solid, which is what Peter means. You're going to be a, a rock. Words of affirmation. 
Physical touch. He's always laying hands on these disciples. I mean, on the uh, children. And uh, time spent. He always brings the disciples alone to be with himself. Spent time with his disciples. Gifts. How about 800 bottles of wine at a wedding? How about acts of service? Healing, washing the feet, hanging on the cross. So, these, um, so I'm going to, i got to expedite. I have so much good stuff in here, but I didn't have much time today, so I've got to just get down here. A huge mistake that we make is assuming we know what we know about someone else. Like, like one time this lady was in the airport, and she bought a little bag of cookies. This is a true story. And she bought a little bag of cookies before she gets on the plane, and she sat down, and she put the bag next to her. And then when she was looking at her, her luggage and stuff, she looked over, and the bag of cookies was open. The guy sitting next to her was eating one. She could not believe it. And she's sitting there thinking, what do I do with this? So then she takes a cookie, and she eats it, and she's like, Whatever. And so then she's reading the paper, and all of a sudden she hears this rustling in the bag, and she looks over again, she's like, he took another cookie. <laughs> and what would you do? I mean, that's like seriously rude. Like, could I say something? He takes another cookie, and she's eating it. And then there's only one left in the bag, and then she hears the rustling again, and she looks over, and half a cookie was there, and then he walked on. And she, so he took the last cookie, broke it in half, and left half of her. She was so miffed. And she gets on the plane, and she gets in her purse, and she sees her bag of cookies that wasn't open yet. So, we can't assume other people's love languages because you see what happens with that. Like, you know, one of my friends bought his wife a $5,000 ring. He told me the story. We were on staff together at a church out in East County. And she was like, eh. Like, seriously? Like, thanks. The next week, he helped her clean the blinds in their house, and she acted like, he was the second coming of Christ. Kissing him, hugging him, thanking him so much. He's like, my God, I could have saved $5,000. You just can't assume. See, our natural tendency is to communicate love to others through our language, not theirs. We see the world as we are, not as they are. Like Archie Bunker, I'm going to pull out an illustration from years, years. How many of you remember All in the Family with Archie Bunker and Edith? Okay, so you'll appreciate this. So Archie one day said to Edith, I speak English, you hear in dingbat. <laughs> now, here's something that's real. Uh, people that don't take the time and energy to learn other people's love languages, it's just a form of selfishness. They're indifferent and actually arrogant thinking the way I see things is superior to yours. So why should I lower myself to learn how you see things because it'll be a waste of my time. And yet Jesus is the most intelligent person in the room. And he never makes us feel that way. Jesus came down to our level, touched us in our hearts and speaks our language. What kind of language does Jesus speak to you? When he speaks to you, doesn't he speak to you in a language that you understand? He gives you illustrations the way that, that, that will communicate to you. And then he elevates us. That's humility. Good word right there. The key is to adapt to them. Don't make them adapt to you. So there are three steps to communicating. I'm going to close with this, these three practical D's. There are three steps to communicating to someone else in their love language. The three D's. One, you have to discover what language they speak now, you would think it'd be as simply as asking them, but, you know, some, I'm sorry, ladies, I'm just going to say a generality here, so God forgive me. I mean, you forgive me. God already has. Ladies like to play the mystery game, right? The guys are like, just tell me what your dang love language is. But no, 
Ladies like to be discovered. And so we buy you a $5,000 ring instead of helping you clean the blinds. And some of you in here are probably saying, oh, I'll take the ring, right? I remember Sissy uh, was our children's pastor for years, and I would always go in and give her words of affirmation. I would tell her how wonderful job she's doing, and she always kind of like brushed me off. I'm like, my, seriously? I'm telling you, she just I was busy, 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 and just like, that's nice. I thought, she has a problem receiving. Now, the problem was I didn't know her love language. One day I stopped off a Starbucks on the way to church, and I brought her a Starbucks, and she threw her arms around my neck. Sorry, honey. And she hugged me, and she thanked me so much, and I thought, oh, she loves gifts. No, it wasn't the gift. It was the act of service that the pastor would take his time to go to Starbucks to get a drink for a coffee for, although she probably could have used the drink running the children's ministry. <laughs> it's my, my grandpa's love language. My grandpa's in his 80s and he was going to die and the doctor told him to stop drinking whiskey. And I lived with him uh, when I was a teenager for a little while. And my grandpa was Italian. He called me a Giovanni. And he'd ask me to go get him coffee, right? So I'd go in and get him some coffee. And my grandma would say, don't you put any whiskey in that coffee. The doctor said he can't have any whiskey. She's trying to keep him alive. I'm thinking, let the guy have his whiskey and die. I mean, he's right. So I would do half and half. I'd bring it to him. And, and he'd take that cup and he would go. You're a good old boy, Giovanni. <laughs> I knew my grandpa's love language. Okay, so, so, you can't be secretive about your love language or people are going to be missing showing you love that communicates love to you. So, first I want to ask you is this, and do it in your head, don't do it out loud. First is, do you know your own love language in your head? Do you know your own love language? Get it, get it on there. You got me, get it in there. Get it up in there. Love. Okay, what is it? Action service, gifts, words of affirmation, physical touch, time spent. I, got, I don't need to look at that. I'm all over this. Okay, you got your love language in your head? You got it? Okay, now, huh? Yeah, you can have two, but, you know, one, one would be dominant. Okay, now, if you know the person next to you, oh, some of you are going to get in so much trouble right now. If you know the person next to you, take turns and tell them what you think their love language is. Go. What's mine, dear? What's my love language, honey? Well, duh. And you're, oh, yeah. And yours, yours is acts of service. All right, hoping I win the game. Okay, now switch it. Tell the other person what you think theirs is. What do you think theirs is? Okay, now, how many of you got it right? Raise your hand if you got the love language right. One. Okay. No, I'm kidding. Okay, do it again. How many got the love language right? Okay. How many of you got it wrong? Raise your hand. Oh, man, that's going to be a bad afternoon. How many of you had, how many of you were absolutely clueless? Raise your hand. Okay, clueless. You had no idea. Okay, now look, you guys are in your 80s, and you've been together forever. Tell me you got it right. You got it right, he didn't. How? Let's all reach your hand out toward how. Let's pray for how. <laughs> okay, number one, you've got to define the language. No, first, you have to, to discover their language. Secondly, you've got to define the terms. Because how many of you know that even if you say the same term, it might not mean the same thing? Like in religious, you know, world, like Mormonism, they use the name of Jesus. And if you're a Mormon here today, I don't mean to offend you, but I just have to tell you the truth. Your Jesus isn't the same as the Christian Jesus, because Jesus is not the brother of Satan. Mormons believe that Jesus was the brother of Satan. They fought over who was going to be the savior of the world. They believe that Jesus used to be... Uh, a God who became a man, who became a God, and so was Adam and Eve, and we're all on our ways to becoming gods. And Jesus, and salvation is not only through Jesus. You also have to work for it. I mean, this is all true. It's not the same Jesus. Different description. Same with Jehovah's Witnesses. They don't believe that Jesus is God. That's why they don't worship him. They honor him, but they don't worship him because he's not God. So 
you've got to be careful with terms. When it comes to our personal relationships in the uh, five love languages, I'll give you an example. Men, do not shout this out because we may have children in the room. I'm not sure. But in your mind, men, what is what what does physical touch mean? Ladies, in your mind, what does physical touch mean? Like we played a newlywed game last night at our house with a handful of couples. Actually, it was newlywed 2.0 because a lot of them weren't newlyweds. And uh, one of the questions was, if your husband had the day off, would he rather take you out to a movie, take you out to dinner, um, stay home and watch sports or cuddle? And one of the husbands, Mark, said, does, does cuddle mean sex? Such a caveman. I mean, I mean, look, Mark's idea of a gift, the, the, you know, the, the, act, the gifts, like a, a love language, is buying Shelly an 80-inch TV that covers the entire living room wall. That's Shelly's gift. Of course, my, my, my definition of time spent versus hopes, I'm talking about the dif- you, have to, you have to define the terms. Time spent. My idea of time spent with hope when we first got married was taking her out to a sports bar during playoff season. I still don't understand. And so, you know, she told me one time, where I'm not going out to dinner with you anymore because all you do is, is watch sports on the, on the monitor. I promised her, promised her, promised her, please, baby, I won't do that anymore. And so I'd always sit with my back to the TVs in the restaurant. And I was doing such a good job with it. But this one time we went out and I had my back to the TVs, but I could see the reflection in the door. And I got caught up in it, and I was, and I was faking it so good. Because you can just, you know, you can look at somebody, you can kind of look right over your shoulder, and they can't really tell. But there was an interception in the end zone. And I went, oh! And she goes, oh, man, that was a bad night in the Ettore household. Woo! I've traveled to different countries, and I've learned that terms not all, are not always the same. Um, like in India, I was going around my first time I went to India and I was going like this to everybody. Yeah, I'm from America. Yeah. Do you know what that means in India? It's what it's the, it's the finger you use when you're blessing somebody on the freeway that just cuts you off. So I, the minute the preachers going around India doing this to everybody. Down in Mexico, you know, all the older ladies, they cook for the convention and I'm the apostle. I'm I'm, I'm the apostle coming in. All these churches come in. They bust in. All these uh, people there and the pastors are there. And I go back to the kitchen to thank the ladies. And I'm kind of standing out to be jovial with them, joke around. And, and I said, oh, you guys are silly. And I used the word that my Spanish teacher taught me. And in the book, it had the word in a picture of a clown next to him. And it said, silly. I used the word tanto. Yeah. Which means stupid. So I called all the ladies who were cooking all the meals for everybody. The apostle comes into the kitchen and says, you guys are stupid. You've got to define the terms. Here are some examples around the world of uh, not doing the terms right, okay? A dry cleaner's in Bangkok says, drop your trousers here for best results. A hotel in a brochure in Italy says, this hotel is renowned for its peace and solitude. In fact, crowds from all over the world flock here to enjoy its solitude. In Tokyo, it says, it's forbidden to steal hotel towels. Please, if you are not a person to do such thing, please not read notice. In Bucharest, a hotel lobby, it says, the lift is being fixed for the next day. During that time, we regret that you will be unbearable. In a hotel in Athens, it says, visitors are expected to complain at the office between the hours of 9 and 11 daily. And a room and a, and a room laundry. It says, "Ladies, leave your clothes here and spend the afternoon having a good time." <laughs> Outside a Hong Kong tailor shop, ladies may it says, "Ladies may have a fit upstairs." And Rhodes Tailor Shop, it says, "Order your summer summer's suit because it's big rush. We will execute customers in strict rotation." <laughs> and a Copenhagen airline ticket office, we take your bags and send them in all directions. 
At a Budapest zoo, please do not feed the animals. If you have any suitable food, give it to the guard on duty. And in an Acapulco hotel, the manager has personally passed all the water served here. So you've got to be really careful with the terms that you are using with one another and define them. And the third D, the first is to discover your friend's uh, love language. The second is to define what it means to them. Ask questions. Larry King, if you remember him, he was... He was uh, the greatest uh, talk show host probably ever. Larry King, his favorite question was why. When somebody says something, you say, why? Why is that? Why? Tell me more. What do you mean by that? The greatest question. If you're others-centered, you'll use that word a lot. Because you're discovering the other person, not yourself. So, the third is to do it. This may seem elementary, but Jesus made it simple. And James says that if you hear the word only and you don't do it, you actually deceive yourself. So my assignment for us this week is to people on your ministry teams, people in your connect groups, your roommates, your friends, your classmates, your spouse, of course, your family members, find out what their love language is and spend the week trying to communicate to them in their language, not yours. I remember a story that John Maxwell tells when he went to Russia and he had to speak at the Kremlin and he had no idea how he was going to connect with his audience. Especially with the tensions, obviously, that have been between Russia and America forever. And then he remembered that his daughter had remembered a song in Russian. And he thought, I'm going to put her up first and sing the song. So before he spoke, he could just see the blank looks on everybody's faces. And even going through an interpreter is difficult. Like a gentleman who worked in Japan, and he had the hardest time connecting with the Japanese people because of the culture and the language. It was such a huge disconnect. And I've gone to different cultures, and it's so easy to offend people that speak another language and have a different culture, even when you don't mean to, like doing this in India. So what he did was he invited his colleagues out to dinner all the time and he would try all sorts of the strangest foods that he could find in the menu so that they could laugh together. He could have commonality with their culture. And he said it was such a long way with getting on common ground, which is the word common is the same word as community and it's the same word as communication. Trying to find common ground. So um, John Maxwell had his son or his daughter sing that song in Russian and when the Russians heard it, they all perked up and their faces lit up and they were attentive. It's like, you took the time to learn a song in our language. Because you can communicate facts to somebody and touch their mind. But if you communicate in their language, you touch their heart. And that's what we want to do as followers of Christ is touch people's hearts. So, your assignment this week, learn other people's love languages like Jesus learned your love language and He communicates to you in such a personal way that it causes you to fall in love with Him over and over and over again. So be like Christ this week. Be others-centered. Show His love to them in this very practical way. Amen. Amen. Well, don't pat a cake. Seriously? All right. So let's pray together. Jesus, thank you so much for this loving congregation. Thank you that your love abounds in this church. And over the next 30 days, as we pray 10 minutes a day, your prayer that you gave to us. One of my main prayers as we all pray together is that your love will fill up our hearts. As we pray for one another, we pray for our enemies, we pray for a lost and dying world. Let your love, God, overflow our human hearts with the supernatural love of God. And I pray that the love will abound in this body this month. We pray for salvations in this house, Lord. There's nothing more important this side of heaven than somebody giving their life to you, Jesus, so their sins can be forgiven. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, I'm going to pray for you.
And I promise you, if you will give your life to him right now, he will save you, he will forgive you, and your sins will be wiped out forever. And you will become his son or his daughter. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus and you want to do that right now, would you raise your hand? Wherever you are, just raise it straight up so I can see it. I'm going to pray for you. And Jesus is going to forgive you, draw you to himself. I want to pray one last prayer before we go. If you feel that you have been overly self-centered, and you just want to completely shift that whole thing and turn it around, just do a 180, will you just say to the Lord right now, Lord, you are selfless to me, and I've been being selfish, not listening, offensive. Even if your friend, your spouse, your roommate, your employee, employer has been selfish, operate in the opposite spirit. And commit to the Lord right now. Say, Jesus, with your help, I'm going to be like you this week. I'm going to be other sin. Amen. God bless you, family. Prayer teams, please come down front. I'm sorry. Prayer teams, please come down front. We're going to pray for the sick. If you didn't raise your hand, but you want to give your life to Christ, come down. They're going to pray for you. If you need prayer for any reason at all, the prayer teams will be down here to pray for you. And they have about five minutes to go get your kids. Love you. Let my eyes